I don't know. <laughs> Listen to them, children of the night. What music they make. It is midnight in Cozy Corner and around the world. Pour yourself a cup of coffee, put your feet up and get ready to howl at the moon. It is time for the late night fright with Dan and Faith right here on WKNF Cozy Corner Public Radio. Hey, what have we got tonight? Tonight. We got the classic 1981 Brian De Palma film, Blowout, starring John Travolta. Can you dig it? I can dig it. I can dig it. I can dig it, too. I am the Coyote. It is time for the Late Night Fright with Dan and Faith right here on WKMF Cozy Corner Public Radio. Ow! Welcome to the Late Night Fright, right here on WKMF Cozy Corner Public Radio. I am Dan, and with me, as always, is my very Saturday night fever, my very stand alive, my very greasy co-host, Faith. Say hi, Faith. Hi, Faith. I'm Faith. greasy. Grease, Saturday night fever. Yeah. Who are we talking about tonight, Faith? Well, John Travolta, but why am I greasy? Because <laughs> it's one of the big movies in his, in his filmography, Faith. <laughs> Welcome to our little cozy corner of the internet. If this is your first time joining us, welcome. If you are a return listener, thank you for your continued support. Faith, mm-hmm. we have some great fans. Our numbers have been consistent. They've been consistently growing. When someone downloads the show, I don't know if you know this out there, uh, we have a map through our server and we get to see where you're from. So we are coming up on a year. Can you believe that? We are coming up on our year anniversary. And what we would like to do starting uh, in February. So I know you're out there listening. I know you're in Russia. I know you're in Germany. I know you're in France. I know you're in the UK. I know you're in Australia. So if you have some time, what we would like for you to do, and I think this would be a lot of fun. We have a website, latenightfright.com. Our email address is on that website. You can you can hook up with us through the email. We will get it. If you would take some time, send us a message, but not, not an email. What I'd like to have happen is if you just get your phone out, record a voicemail, tell us who you are, where you're from, say hi, anything you want to say to us, like say hi. We're going to play it on the show. I think this I think this would be a lot of fun because yeah. because I know you're hearing us. We we just want to hear from you. I just want to know who you are out there listening and, to the show. And what do you like about us so much? <laughs> what keeps you coming what back? What do you not like about us? What keeps you coming back? Now, criticisms <laughs> are going to be edited out, right? But no. Oh yeah. No, but uh, I, we would love to hear from you, yes. and and I know you're out there because you're consistently listening, and I see that every month. So if you get just a, a minute, it doesn't have to be a minute, just a 
couple of seconds. Say yeah. hello. Say uh, say who you are, where you're from. If you're in the states here, uh, tell us where you're from because we see uh, we see the map uh, here in the United States yeah. too, and uh, we'll play it on the show. We will give you a special shout out, and I think that would be a whole lot of fun. I think so too. So. I'd like to announce another thing that I would like to do on the show. So this is a little more listener involvement. I was talking to a very good friend of mine, Cade. He has appeared on the show. He is on our Death Proof episode. That episode, like all of our episodes, available wherever podcasts are found. We had a lot of fun when we did, we did. Death Proof with Cade, didn't yeah. we? And Cade is is uh, uh, my very best friend and, and very, very dear to both of us. And, and we love him a lot. And Cade called me the other day and he said, we have these epic phone conversations, and uh, he lives he lives in other parts of the country, so we we talk via phone and text. But uh, we we do have these nice epic phone conversations, and uh, he said he posed this question to me. He says he goes, Dan, top ten nineties movies. Imagine yourself. He goes, it's two thousand. You're working at a blockbuster video. You remember the blockbuster video? I do, yes. He goes, you got your own shelf, Dan's favorites. He goes, you get to pick 10 movies. He goes, any genre, it's like just top 10 movies of the decade. And we got to talking about the 90s and the cinema that came out in the 90s. Mm-hmm. And like in particular, like the years like 94, 99, there were some really good movies that came out, like influential movies that came out. And I mean, we've had the conversation two times, two or three times over the week um, of going and a lot of times it, it, it falls into, oh, I forgot about that one. I forgot mm-hmm. about that. You know, so what I would like to have happen here is I'm going to get my top 10 films of the 90s list together. <laughs> Faith is going to get her top 10 films of the 90s. Am list I together. now? <laughs> yeah. Kate's going to contribute his. Yeah. And this is not something, you know, this can be like an ongoing thing. <laughs> I know you're out there listening. I would love to hear your top 10 films of the 90s. There are some movies that came out in the I 90s. I know. I mean, you got Terminator 2 that starts off, you know, this big special effects thing and ends in with The Matrix, but you got Scream in there. You've got Pulp Fiction. You've got so many It's going to be a hard films. list to make. <laughs> like, it's, it's really difficult. And Kate said, you might even have to go like top five films from each year. But no, no, no. I want to go for the gusto here. I want to go for top 10 <laughs> films from the 90s. I'm going to start getting my list together and putting Faith on the spot because right. I didn't tell her about this. But she's, she's looking at me like, oh, dear. I'm like, you're doing it, too. That's a hard list. It is, it is a hard list. There's a lot of movies. So, so if you're out there, if you feel so inclined, send us a little voicemail via the email. We're also on Instagram um, at a late night fright podcast. Faith is available at I'm a normal alien and uh, uh, you can send them to us uh, there, but uh, send us a little voicemail. Tell us who you are. Tell us where you're from and, uh, and just say hi. And uh, if we get some of these, we might start opening the show with them. Like, like that might be the little thing at the beginning of the show. I think this would be a lot of fun. I know you're out there. I really just want to hear from you. And, and I want to say thank you to all of you out there who are listening. Absolutely. So, well, faith, we are in January and this has been mystery thriller month here on the late night fright. We started off with a real bang with Rear Window starring Jimmy Stewart from director Alfred Hitchcock. That film is from 1954. We then moved into 1971, Clint Eastwood and Jessica Walter in Play Misty for me. We also uh, supplemented that with uh, Clint's work in Dirty Harry from mm-hmm. director Don Siegel. Uh, all these movies we've really enjoyed. 
We have a good one from 1981 tonight from director Brian De Palma. What movie are we talking about tonight, Faith? Blowout. Blowout starring John Travolta and Nancy Allen. I think this is one of the finest movies ever made. It's a really great movie. And I am surprised we didn't do it earlier on the show. Mm-hmm. And I guess as fate would have it in serendipity, <laughs> they, fate, the fates wanted us to do this for Mystery Thriller Night. Uh, I have a lot of things to say about this movie, a lot of nice things to say about this movie. This I'm ready is a to movie hear. that uh, not a lot of people saw when it came out, uh, criminally overlooked when it came out, and was criminally overlooked for several years. And we're going to talk about one of the men who got this movie back up and running in the uh, critic circle as it is, and it's kind of now regarded as a real classic, as it should be. It's really, really good. It really is. And we're going to talk all about 1981's Blowout, but we have a little bit of business first, don't we, Faith? We do. What time is it? Time for the news. Time for the news. Insurance companies in Tokyo will no longer be selling Godzilla insurance. Godzilla insurance protected the insured against any damages due to Godzilla attack. Tokyo's new insurance policy is now, he broke it. You pay to fix it. Godzilla attacks are real. It's a real problem. Thankfully, we don't have these too much here in America. He seems to favor Japan for some reason, and we'd like to keep it that way. Yes. Well, Nicolas Cage and John Travolta recently walked into a bar. The bartender asked, why the wrong face? The wrong face, because of face-off. Yeah. Clever. Well, it's 2020, and I'm tired of hating myself. So in the spirit of turning over a new leaf and a hefty profit, for the low, low cost of just $5 a day, I will hate on you. I am available to hate on you via text, email, phone call, or even in person. That's a hell of a good deal. I know. I have a feeling you may have found your true calling, Faith. Uh, I know. Well, finally, Cozy Corner resident Missy Mistletoe was mystified to find corn in her most recent bowel movement. Mistletoe has no idea where it came from, as she does not eat corn. Dimensional shift, past life regression, or just a corny cry for attention, you be the judge. And that is the news. happens missy mistletoe i feel your pain (laughs) (laughs) all right well mystery thriller month continues here on the late night fright with brian de palma's 1981 masterpiece blowout we're going to take a break so faith can hate on me but i'm not going to pay her five dollars oh come on (laughs) i give you ten i am dan and and we'll see you on the other side Harrison Ford, the big HF, host of the Straight Dope, the number one rated show on whatever radio station this is. Why is the Straight Dope number one? 
People want the straight dope. Want the straight dope. Join me for a review of an exciting new blend. It's award season and uh, we have a real contender. The blend I'll be reviewing this week is called Pit. Named after my co-star from The Devil's Own. He's fantastic and once upon a time in Hollywood and this blend is truly fantastic. It's as golden as the man himself. I'm also going to be reading some uh, quantum physics. I'll be reading it um, stoned and not stoned and uh, I'm going to see if it makes any more sense. Stoned or not stoned. Pretty heavy stuff. Join me, Harrison Ford, the big HF, for the straight dope on that. I know this is a radio station, I don't know what it's called, I really couldn't care. Alright, turn the music off, I'm done. Cut the music! Conspiracies is the number one highest rated news show on WKMF Cozy Corner Public Radio. You think you've got big balls? Well, those balls are gonna ascend back into your abdomen when you hear this week's show. Join us as we shed the light of truth on the Federal Reserve. We're also going to be talking about the Center for Disease Control, flu shots, and vaccinations. Oh, you've got balls? This show's going to be one swift kick to that ding-ding. Join your unnamed host from an undisclosed location for conspiracies. Only on WKMF Cozy Corner Public Radio. Welcome back to the Late Night Fright right here on WKMF Cozy Corner Public Radio. Faith, I'm not going to lie to you. I'm feeling pretty good tonight. Are you? I'm feeling pretty good. Good. I'm excited to talk about this movie. Before we talk about 1981's Blowout, I would like to make our listeners aware of something funny that happened this week that involves you, my dear friend. Um, we, were, we, we of course, prepare for the show, and, and you asked me, you said, we're doing Blowout this week, right? And I said, yes, we're doing Blowout. And she goes, yeah, that sounds like something else. <laughs> you said it sounds like. A bathroom accident. It does. It does, doesn't it? Yeah. Sounds like my last night. Like, Sounds <laughs> like last night. <laughs> Sounds like last night. Sounds like after you eat a lot of Taco Bell. <laughs> yes. Oh, we've all been there. Mm-hmm. Yes. Well, next time, don't drench it in sriracha. It, the it, Taco Bell? It helps. Yeah. Never drench Taco Bell in sriracha. But... Me neither, and that's why. <laughs> <laughs> All right, let's do it. Brian De Palma's uh, masterpiece, Blowout. This is one of Quentin Tarantino's Desert Island movies. Um, 
He used to work at a place called Video Archives in Los Angeles, uh, famously. He was a video store clerk. He directed John Travolta in the movie Pulp Fiction. It was during the Pulp Fiction frenzy that this movie kind of started getting uh, reevaluated because he was out there beating the drum of, <laughs> of Blowout. When this movie came out in theaters in 1981, it made $12 million. Not a lot of money. Wow. Even when you adjust it for inflation, uh, still not a lot of money. Uh, got some rave reviews from critics like Roger Ebert and Pauline Kael, uh, but audiences, for some reason, stayed away from it. I, I don't Maybe know. Maybe it was the title. <laughs> I don't know why it could have been. Yes, yes. <laughs> Blowout, that sounds like a bathroom adventure. It does. Sounds like a sounds like a, yeah, a real barn burner right there. <laughs> yes. So this uh this movie was directed by Brian De Palma. Uh it's a Hitchcock influence thriller. That seemed appropriate yeah. to you. Yes. Mm-hmm. Brian De Palma is part of the group that changed Hollywood in the late sixties and early seventies. We've talked about some of those names on this show, but I love all of these names, so I'm going to mention some of them here, if that is all right. That's fine. Names like George Lucas, Steven Spielberg, John Milius. We did a show on Milius. Uh, John Milius is one of the great figures in movies that you might not really know about. You need to check out that episode and check out the documentary that's available on him entitled Milius. Francis Ford Coppola, he directed a little movie called The Godfather. That was okay. Uh, Martin Scorsese is part of that group. There is also a gentleman named Randall Kleiser. Randall Kleiser is a USC film school graduate. We're going to talk about a little movie he directed because John Travolta is in a movie he directed. But um, let's see. Brian De Palma is a Philadelphia native. This movie was filmed in Philadelphia. So this was a homecoming for him. In faith, he says this movie is his most personal because of his connection to Philadelphia and getting to go back there and film. So I'm going to list off some movies here. Some of them you may recognize. uh, Some of them you definitely will recognize. (laughs) Uh, Part of the Brian De Palma filmography. Sisters. Sisters is a psychological thriller. I've seen that movie. That's a fantastic movie starring Margot Kidder. I've heard of it. She's in that movie. I believe Shelley Duvall might be in it as well. Phantom of the Paradise, which is a rock version of Phantom of the Opera. Never seen it. Here's one you may or may not have heard of. Carrie. Hmm. 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 Let's some bells. Ring some bells. Dress to Kill from 1980, starring Michael Caine <laughs> and Angie Dickinson. Uh, Scarface. You ever heard of Scarface? Face. Hmm. Hmm. Scarface is, of course, the movie poster that is on the wall of every home, uh, every rapper's home. That really has like my cocaine. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yes, it does, Faith. There was a there was a period of time MTV Cribs. You remember MTV Cribs? I do. Do yes. they still do they still do that? I don't think so. I don't. I don't think they do. But it was like every rapper's house that they would go into, they had That's the Scarface, Scarface <laughs> poster up. And my sister and I, it would be on, this is 15 years ago or so, like I had never seen Scarface for some reason. And like one day we were like, we got to watch Scarface. And we watched Scarface and, you know, I, I don't get it. But a uh, movie called Body Double, uh, The Untouchable. Have you ever heard of that? Mm-hmm. Yeah, Carlito's Way, starring Al Pacino. Mission Impossible. And a movie that we talked about during our cage match episodes, Snake Eyes from 1998. And we both really, really, really enjoyed yes. Snake Eyes. So That's a very nice list of movies. That's, that's, a, that's a nice list of movies. <laughs> it isn't? is. What I like about that is there are De Palma films on there. And then there's kind of the director for hire mm-hmm. films on there. 
You right. know, there's a there's a nice mixture of really kind of artsy films yeah. and, and kind of more entertainment films. Uh, but he does make you know movies to be seen. That's the thing. That's the thing with these guys we just mentioned: uh, George Lucas, Steven Spielberg, John Milius, Francis Ford Coppola. Uh, there's an art to everything that they do, a real high level of art, but it's not art house. It's not avant-garde. It pulls from those traditions, but mm-hmm. you know what? At the end of the day, they all want people to see their movies. Exactly. That's the thing. <laughs> and uh, I'll tell you what, De Palma has made some movies that people have seen, and he's made movies that are, uh, I think, are very, very good, yes. too. So this movie, Blowout, is inspired by Michelangelo Antonini's Blow Up from 1966, that uses the idea of photography, not sound design. Sound design features in Blowout uh, that uses photography. I've seen that movie once. It was a long time ago. Uh, I do remember you you can see the influence okay. you know, on it. Um, never, never seen it. So this is a mashup of a Alfred Hitchcock thriller. And this seems to be... The running theme through Mystery Thriller Month, isn't it? And I and mm-hmm. I, I was responsible for picking these movies. I did not set out to pick Alfred Hitchcock style <laughs> films, but it sure. turns out we we ended up with a bunch of uh, with an actual Hitchcock film, and then we've got two that really in, inspired by his work, uh, which I find very interesting. Um, yeah. It was also inspired by an Italian genre of film called the giallo. Giallo, not gelato. <laughs> Giallo. Gelato sounds really good, though. It does, doesn't it? We should, <laughs> yes. get, we should get one after we're done here. Uh, anytime I hear Italian, all I can think of is ciao, Bella. <laughs> Faith, would you please give me a ciao, Bella? Ciao, Bella. Uh, thank you, Faith. <laughs> You're welcome. You're the best co-host ever. Uh, the Giallo uh, film uh, combines, and let's see if this sounds like Blowout. It combines elements of the slasher picture. Mm-hmm. Crime fiction, the psychological thriller, and horror. Yeah. Sounds pretty right on, doesn't it? With blowout. Sounds right on. Uh, this film also incorporates elements uh, from history, including Chappaquiddick. You know, Chappaquiddick, don't you, Faith? That's when Teddy Kennedy <laughs> drove his car off of a bridge with a young woman inside. Yeah. I think there's a movie about that. Yeah. That was, that was something that was a, that was a big deal. For a long time, yeah. Still, I think it still is a big deal. Uh, the Watergate uh, thing that happened, <laughs> and uh, the JFK assassination from 1963. So, a uh, movie that is a Hitchcock film with elements of uh, history. These these awful things and uh, a little bit of conspiracy theory thrown in there. I think that might be part of the reason why I like it <laughs> yeah. so much. Uh, Maybe so. <laughs> and uh, the movie uh, also has elements of voyeurism. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we talked about that with Rear Window. I think that's where the real Hitchcock element comes in. The, yeah. The Rear Window thing there. Uh, the movie's also in a lot of ways about movies. Yes. Which which <laughs> is cool. And we've talked about a few on this show before. It seems to be that great movies sometimes are actually about movies. Yeah. You know, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood is yes. about movies. Quentin's movies in particular are about movies. Mm-hmm. Uh, a lot of De Palma's work is about movies. Hitchcock's work is about movies. So that's a running thing with with great. So if, if you're out there and you want to make a great movie, make a movie. About a movie. About a movie. There you go. <laughs> and this also, we're going to talk a little bit about this. Uh, there's elements of guilt here. Guilt is one of the main themes in... in uh, in this, so Faith, uh, quick synopsis of Blowout. What is Blowout about? Uh, this is named Jack Jack Terry. Jack Terry. He is a sound technician who was working on a slasher film, 
low and, rent. Let's let's yeah, let's like, go ahead and, and add in the fact that it is a very low rent yes. slasher film. Being yeah, no, made. no high. No, this isn't this isn't uh, this isn't even Friday the first Friday the thirteenth. Um, this is uh, uh, the look. They're in Philadelphia, so that should tell you something right there. But uh, uh, not to interrupt you, but uh, no, no, one no. of my favorite moments in this movie is right in the beginning of this movie. They talk about the movies they've made: uh, Camp Blood, Camp Blood Two. Bordello of Blood and uh, Bad Day at Blood Beach and now Coed Frenzy. <laughs> so and I want to add a li- little bit of trivia. Uh, he mentions the film Bordello of Blood mm-hmm. that they'd made in this movie. Brian De Palma being part of that group. Uh, Robert Zemeckis and Bob Gale, the guys who wrote Back to the Future, actually wrote a script called Bordello of Blood that got made as a Tales from the Crypt movie starring Dennis Miller. <laughs> and John Milius was a huge champion of the Bordello of Blood script. So I don't know if that was a nod to, cool. to those guys. <laughs> but when I heard Bordello of Blood, I went, ah, you son of a bitch. Like, <laughs> so, yes, but uh, I'm sorry, but they, they're making very low rent, <laughs> low yes. rent slasher pictures. <laughs> <laughs> so he goes out to the park to capture some sounds of wind and nature and things for this movie when he accidentally captures the sound of an actual real life horror scene <laughs> uh, 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 a political assassination yes. really uh, the governor of pennsylvania mm-hmm. who is uh the front runner to be the uh republican nominee mm-hmm. for for president, president and mm-hmm. and what do they say in the beginning of the movie the, the beginning of the movie is so well done so much information you get in those first couple of minutes uh, and he's projected if he is the Republican frontrunner, he will indeed win. And they they assassinate him here on this road. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> yes. Yeah, so uh, he captures that. And as he goes back and listens, he realizes, you know, it was not an accident. After not an accident. All. It was not a blowout. And was it? once, no. And wants to prove, you know, that what happened. But, you know. Bad things Bad start things to happen. Start to happen. There, uh, <laughs> there is, uh, there's a complication with uh, the character of Sally, played by Nancy Allen. Mm-hmm. We're going to talk a little bit about Nancy Allen in a little bit. Uh, she's there. So she's a witness. So there's loose ends, and then John Lithgow is playing a guy named Burke, who's based on G. Gordon Liddy, uh, who was one of the plumbers, quote unquote, for the Watergate. You know, covering up the Watergate thing. So there's a lot of a lot of things going on here, and uh, I. I the movie starts off so so fun with the um, the scene from the slasher movie that they're making, uh, which is I think Coed Frenzy is the one that they're working on here. And so you see its point of view, like Halloween. Reminded me of Black Christmas. I, yes, thank you. I was gonna I was gonna say it reminded me of Black Christmas. And then a Psycho. Yeah, <laughs> and um, it, it's really really funny and well done. And you get this great joke at the beginning because the killer point of view goes into the. Uh, into the bathroom, the girl's taking a shower naked, of course, because all great slasher movies have the <laughs> have the nudity. And uh, I mean, it really does look like a slasher picture. It and really the great does. thing is, um, is if you're going in this, you don't know what you're watching. Like you, it's it's a complete kind of. Well, see, this is the first time I've ever watched it, yeah. so that's where I was. I was like, oh, I had no idea that that's where because I didn't yeah. look up the movie. I wanted to be surprised. So yeah. starting it, I was like, is this a trailer for something? <laughs> Yeah, it's 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 really like is this is this how it starts? You it, know, it's really wonderfully done, and it then really is. You get the thing, so the, the girl's in there, and, and the guys she sees the killer, and she goes to scream, and it's awful. And then you cut, in, and then you're in into in the actual right. film, and um, it, it's really really well done. And, and we're going to talk about that scene because that that loops back around 
on the end of this movie. So uh, from here on out, I will say there will be spoilers. Uh, so if you've not seen this movie, uh, go watch it. And I'm going to say this probably a few times throughout the night. See, you need to see this movie. This is one of the great, the great films. Mm-hmm. I think uh, we've said this about a few movies on here. This is one of the best movies that I think we're going to talk about yeah. on this show. I um, think so. I don't care how long the show goes on. We're going to, you know, in the history of this show, past and future, this is one of the best films that we're going to talk about on this show. This was a first time watch for you. Mm-hmm. Um, again, it's a it's uh, I think criminally underseen. It's because uh, I had never even heard of it. Yeah, mm-hmm. a lot of people haven't heard of it. Even I was talking to my aunt who was around at this time. Mm-hmm. You know, I said, "You've seen Blowout," and she goes, "No, what's that?" Yeah. It really kind of criminal that it, it yeah. wasn't seen. Uh, it is held in high regard, as we said, in critic circles, but general public, right. a lot of people haven't haven't seen it. Uh, what did you think of Blowout? I, like you, this, you just said, this is probably one of the best ones that we've done and will do. This is a really, it's a good movie, but it's so well done. And it, it's kind of jam-packed with so much stuff, but... I don't know. I, I love this movie. A lot of stuff. A lot of stuff. Yeah. A lot of stuff that is set up five minutes into this movie mm-hmm. that pays off throughout the movie Whole all movie. the way into the end yep. and will stay with you after you've seen this movie. I know. We, I, I watched this yesterday. Mm-hmm. You watched it yesterday before mm-hmm. we recorded. And I made the comment we were getting ready to do the show and I said, this movie's still with me. Like, and I've seen it. I've seen this movie several times. Um, my involvement with the movie started uh, Pulp Fiction era, and I was uh, I really got into Travolta at that time because Travolta made this comeback when he played Vincent Vega, and he was you know it, it was so nice to see this comeback. And then I was a little too young for his heyday, and we're going to talk about his heyday in a second. But uh, I went back and started watching all the old movies. I, I remember reading this book, and this book mentioned Blowout in it. And I went, that sounds like something I'd like to see. And I watched Blood for the first time, and it just completely blew me away. Um, we're going to talk more about that performance in a second. A lot of people consider this to be possibly his best work. Mm-hmm. He considers this to be his best work. And I would, I don't think I would argue with him no, on that. No, he's, not at all. He's, uh, he's, he's really wonderful. But this is a movie, though, it it sticks with you. It It has the same effect on me. Now, 25 years after the fact, mm-hmm. seeing it for the first time, that it did the first time I saw it. Yeah. And and it, the haunting nature, it's so haunting. I mean, it, it really it, is. But it's it's also very engaging. And mm-hmm. it's fun in parts. It's yeah. funny in parts. Not, not laugh out loud comedy, but there's some fun little bits in it. The performances are so good. Of course, Brian De Palma is a master. He's a master of, of this genre. He really is. I, I really think for my money, it's Hitchcock and then De Palma to, to a lesser degree, because Hitchcock is just the guy, Oh yeah, <laughs> you know, Hitchcock um, is, is definitely the guy, but uh, he wrote and directed this and he got the idea for this uh, while he was cutting a uh, dress to kill. I believe he had the idea for this and he originally envisioned it, uh, for older people, he thought Al Pacino was the guy and uh, uh, he was going to be a lot more cynical because he was older. And then Pacino, for whatever reason, dropped out and we get John Travolta in this movie. And John Travolta was in the midst of his heyday. John Travolta, 
Uh, he came to fame as Vinny Barbarino on the show Welcome Back, Cotter. Have you ever watched reruns of Welcome Back, Cotter? I feel like I, feel yeah. like I have. <laughs> like, oh my God, Mr. Cotter. So he <laughs> he was playing uh, he was playing extremely dumb on Welcome Back, Cotter, and uh, playing extremely dumb very very well. <laughs> Uh, he appeared in Brian De Palma's film Carrie that we mentioned with Nancy Allen, who's also in this film. Uh, so check this out. So he, he was on Welcome Back, Cotter, mm-hmm. and then he does Carrie. So that's his, his his big toe getting dipped into the world of movies. I would like to mention he's also in a movie from 1974 or 75 called The Devil's Reign, which is a B-movie, which is awful. And Never heard of it. William Shatner and Ernest Borgnine are in it, and it's an awful movie, and you can see him. He, it's like a, a devil cult, and he's got the hood over, and you can see the chin, and you know it's him, and then like he, he melts. It's it's wonderful. We need to do that on the show at some point in the near future. Um, so Carrie uh, introduces him to movie audiences. He's famous on the small screen for playing Vinnie Barbarino, everybody's favorite sweat hog. Then check this out. He goes on this run. All right. Saturday Night Fever. Mm-hmm. He got an Oscar nomination for Best Actor for Saturday Night Fever. Saturday Night Fever is one of my favorite films. I think he is absolutely amazing in Saturday Night Fever. He is. The gentleman that we mentioned at the beginning of the show in those names, Randall Kleiser, directed John Travolta in a movie called Grease from 1978. To give you an idea of how big Grease was and how big John Travolta was, as of 2020, this year... It is the 28th highest grossing film of all time when adjusted for inflation. It wow. is. It sits right under Mary Poppins and right above the Avengers film from 2012. Wow. That's how big that movie was. I, I don't think I would have guessed that. Yeah. It's wow. that big. <laughs> yeah. It made like $180 million when it came Goodness out. Goodness gracious. Saturday Night Fever made a whole hell of a lot of money, too. He was huge. He was huge. He was he was the uh, Star Wars actor equivalent, you know, like right. he, he was that big, having that cultural mm-hmm. uh, presence too, with the music and the dancing and everything. He right. was he was everywhere. Uh, for my money, he was the kind of epitome of cool at that time too. Take away everything you, you think about Travolta today, right. you know, go back forty yeah. something years ago. He was he was cool. Like this dude yeah. was cool. Uh, he was the biggest star in the world for a little while. And he was kind of on the Al Pacino, Robert De Niro train of acclaimed actor, you know, mm-hmm. that that seemed to be the trajectory. Right. You know, now his career has had a lot of ups and downs, a lot of ups, a lot of downs right. since then work uh, has been kind of inconsistent, I would say. You know, yeah. we, we just released an episode on The Fanatic. I, I the, the talent is, is, is still <laughs> yeah. there. It's just it's there. There, there have been. Some ups and downs, but there are also some really classic films in in there. I just mentioned a couple of them, <laughs> and uh, I want to you know you have to add Pulp Fiction into that mix. But there's yes. there's so many great ones. Face Off Face is one off, that we're we're, that. we're huge fans of here. Um, Quentin says this is his favorite Travolta performance. Uh, it's one of mine. Oh yeah, it's uh, I, like I said, I'm a fan. I in that uh, mid '90s era, I was going back. I, he was my guy for a little while because of that. You know this. I was getting introduced to him for the first time, right. and I thought he was just very cool. Yeah, I had that swagger and watching those old films, especially. Um, what do you think of Travolta in Blowout? And before you answer that, what do you think of Travolta in general? Are you are you a Travolta I, fan? I because am. There's a fence with, with there, him. There is, but for the most part, everything that I've seen him in, and you know, even as a person, I've I've enjoyed him. Uh, I really don't have anything 
terrible to say about him, you know. And um, in this movie, I mean, I agree with Quentin and stuff. <laughs> he is incredible in this movie. Yeah. I mean, so good. And I want to go back now. I'm not a fan of Grease. Me neither. <laughs> um, as much as I love early Travolta. Uh, now, there, there are parts of Grease. I, right. I like I like. uh uh, this is completely off topic. The song that was written for the movie, hopelessly devoted mm-hmm. to you, uh, I think is is a wonderful piece of, of pop music. And there was actually a day we were getting ready to record one day, and, I, and I'd been listening to. It. I said, "Faith, listen to this song." Yeah, you know, you've heard. I mean, oh god, you, you, yeah. I know you'd heard the song, but I was, I've seen the movie probably more than. But I you, but want it, to admit. but you <laughs> were hearing. I was I was explaining to you what I was hearing in the song, and you're like, "That's no, it is. It's really good." Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, no, no, Greece, Greece has its place, yeah. you know, but, um, no, but I, I want to go back to some of those movies like Saturday Night Fever. That is one of the, I think it's one of the great performances by a young actor ever. Yeah. I, I, I really mean that, uh, his performance in Pulp Fiction, you just watched Pulp, Fiction, love him in Pulp recently. Fiction recently, <laughs> Vincent Vega, if you watch what he's doing as Vincent Vega and my friend Cade, who, who we mentioned at the beginning of the show, we constantly go back to Pulp Fiction, the scene where he shoots Marvin in the car in the face and you know, they go over the bump, the gun goes off, she shoots Marvin in the face and he turns around and that reaction is, ah, oh, shot Marvin in the face. You know, there's not a lot of actors that could have played that the way that he played it with that sense of innocence and, and just, Oh, Oh, well it happened. You know, <laughs> he's, he's really, really good. He really so, is. so with all of these great movies that we talked about, and I mean, he's been good in so many different things. He was wonderful in the uh, OJ Simpson uh, series. I've yet to see that. The American Crime Story. He plays Robert Shapiro. A lot of great kind of um, acting to the rafters in some scenes. He, you can tell he's just having a ball playing, playing in that uh, in that world with that material. But uh, Blowout is for me the quintessential Travolta performance, and it's uh, everything everything you see in the early movies and that you're going to see in, in the better later work. Uh, I was really noticing things he was doing with his hands. Mm-hmm. You know, when he's talking, he has this thing, uh, this acting style where he uses his hands quite a bit. If you watch Pulp Fiction, the diner scene, uh, the, one of my favorite acting bits uh, ever <laughs> is something he does in that scene when he's talking to Uma Thurman and he says, uh, you know, that's one way of saying it. A lot of, then another way to say it is that he was thrown out of a window by my salas. Another way of saying it is he was thrown out of a window by my salas because of you. <laughs> and I just did, I did the hands for faith watch his hands the way that he the rhythm mm-hmm. and the way he incorporates them in that performance and you're not noticing it right he does that a few times here in in uh blowout mm-hmm. you see it when he's talking to, to nancy allen and so physically even little things like that are really good and, and effortless and you're not noticing there's no strings there you know he's just inhabiting this mm-hmm. guy and so it's kind of like the promise of that saturday night fever performance where where he's he's so good you know right. he's an actor that yeah. Pacino De Niro thing. And here he's just, he's there, you know, it's just all there. It's effortless, kind of, kind of cool. And, yeah. and, and, and he's playing this guy. And you, it's you don't so even feel like you're watching a, an actor. No, that's you know? the thing. You feel like you're just watching a guy's life. <laughs> and I think, I think that's what I'm trying to say with the Saturday night fever thing is you don't feel like you're watching an, a performance in Saturday night fever. Right. And I feel that way here exactly. and, and it becomes bigger than life. And I feel that way watching these Travolta the great, mm-hmm. you know, Travolta performances. He's when he's good. He's he's, he's good. Great. <laughs> he's good. Yeah. Um, but I, I, I think he's. I, I don't think it could be overstated how good he is in this movie playing playing this guy. 
you know. Yeah. Pacino would have been great. Oh, yeah. Robert De Niro would have been great, but Travolta brings something here, and I think he brings he has an innocent quality to him, you know. Right. Even because there's a scene in this movie where he talks because he, sound effects guy for this company, and he worked for the police, and he had wired the guy. And there's a wonderful scene in this movie where he tells a story of uh, Freddie Corso, who he had wired to help get information on this uh, on these uh, dirty cops who were meeting with the mob, and Freddie's. Um, Freddie started sweating and the battery in the uh, pack that was, uh, you know, working the uh, mm-hmm. the microphone was 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 the acid was going through him, eating him. And, and he ended up getting killed because of this. And even when he's telling this story about this awful thing, there's there's this there's this quality to him where, you, where you, like I said, innocence is the only word I can think of. Yeah, but mm-hmm. you, you're, you're caring for, you know, for him. And he plays that guilt, which is a big theme in this movie, all over his face. Like it's it's amazing. I know. It's amazing. So he uh, he's great, but he is not the only actor in this movie. He is aided in uh, in this endeavor by Miss Nancy Allen, who was uh, married to Brian De Palma at the time. He was reluctant to cast her because he had the idea that these were older people, and mm-hmm. he had a list of people in, in in mind. When John Travolta came on, he said, "No, let's cast Nancy." She's because they were in Carrie together, mm-hmm. and Brian De Palma didn't really want to cast her because that was his wife, and he didn't want her to get a reputation of. Right. She only works in Brian right. De Palma movies, and I, I, I get that. I get that, but, yeah. Um, uh, Miss, uh, Miss Nancy Allen envisioned the character of Sally as a rag doll. We're going to talk a little bit about that. <laughs> uh, she's also wearing a rabbit's foot for the entire movie. Did you notice that? Uh, she has appeared in films such as Carrie. That's come up twice now, I believe. <laughs> uh, uh, Dressed to Kill, another one that came up. She was in the RoboCop trilogy. She also made an appearance in a Steven Soderbergh movie from 1998 starring George Clooney and Jennifer Lopez as one of my favorite movies of all time called Out of Sight. She has a very small role in that. Uh, she is retired now. She works for We Spark. We Spark is a cancer support center. She is an executive director. Uh, the movie Back to the Future, the actress Wendy Jo Sperber, who plays Marty McFly's sister, she was also on the show Bosom Buddies with Tom Hanks. They were very good friends. Uh, Wendy Jo Sperber passed away from cancer, and she decided to go work full-time for this organization to honor her That's late very friend. Nice. Yeah, in that cool? I like that. In that cool? Uh, what did you think of Nancy Allen in this movie? And she's... Someone she's retired now, so she's not out there. I feel like she's someone who might be a little overlooked sometimes mm-hmm. because those movies I just I just read off and some other things that I've seen her in. Um, she's always really good. I know, really, really good. She really is, and I haven't seen her in too much. I've only mm-hmm. seen her in, what two or three films, but yeah, I think she's great. And like you said, I think she really is underrated. I think she brings something. I don't know what the word is that I'm looking for. That she brings to her roles, but I liked her a lot in this. We have the we have the world weary character of Jack Terry in this movie, mm-hmm. as we just mentioned, played by Travolta, sound man who's who's been around the block, has had some tragedy in, in his life. Mm-hmm. We have the character of Nance uh, Sally. I'm sorry, Sally, played by Nancy Allen, who is a makeup artist, and mm-hmm. she has hooked up with a photographer played by Dennis Franz. And what they do is a uh, divorce work and. Uh, she will get these men into compromising positions. He will come in and take pictures and, you know, there you go. Grounds mm-hmm. for divorce kind of thing. Um, what do you think of the character of Sally? She calls her a rag doll. She played her as a rag doll. She, uh, uh, I thought it was really cute. She has a little rabbit's foot around her. I think there's a childlike quality 
Yes. <laughs> to Sally, that is at first a little off-putting, mm-hmm. but so completely endearing as the movie goes on. And what did you think of Sally? I like salad. You kind of you. I feel like I said salad. <laughs> I like salad. <laughs> I did like Sally, and you kind of you kind of said that at first she's a little. I don't know. You're not sure how to feel about her at first. Yeah. But as the movie went on, I mean, I grew to like her. You know, I think. Yeah. I, I liked who she was throughout it, but. There's a sweet innocence to her. I was going to say, you said Travolta was kind of, has that innocence there, but I think she does too. She's, um, she's, she's involved in some, some not so savory things. Right. Really unsavory things, but you don't get the feeling that she's a bad person. Exactly. And. So the situation that arises, uh, they shoot out the governor's tire. She's in the car with him. She's under the assumption that they're going to get pictures, mm-hmm. you know, and she's done this before. So this is not a big deal. And now she's involved in this thing, though, that's political assassination. And she's really in over her head. And right. and it's uh, I was I was rooting for her watching this movie. I I, Me I, too. I wanted her to be OK, because, like I said, as, as awful as the people she's involved with are, she doesn't seem like a bad person. She seems like somebody who has dreams because she wants to be a makeup artist. There's this great scene where they're at the, one of my favorite scenes in the movie, they're at the bar together and she's explaining makeup to him. And you know, he already knows about me. He works in film, he knows (laughs) about, but he's genuinely engaged with Mm -hmm. her. And she really lights up when she's talking about makeup and you could, it'd be so easy to write her off as uh, silly or uh, what's another word uh, I'm looking for? They're just kind of um, childish. Yeah. But I think she's more intelligent than maybe we give her credit for. Yeah, I think you so. Know, Nancy, and that comes from Nancy Allen, I think. Mm-hmm. I think she she's really good. Uh, what do you think of the two of them together? Because this, uh, I feel like it is Travolta's movie, mm-hmm. but he dances with her quite yeah. a bit in this movie. You know, he's he's the lead, and and she is. She she is the second lead, but right. I, I do feel like it's a little bit more weighted. Yeah, I think it's definitely. Yeah, but, I think it's. I like them. I like them together. Yeah. A, a lot. Yeah, I agree. I think it definitely is more of his movie, but I think she's definitely necessary in, in everything she does. There is, I think, is great, and I love seeing them two on the screen together. There's something so yeah pleasant or something. <laughs> there's something there. There's a there's a complimentary energy to the two of them. Mm-hmm. Um, they had worked together, obviously, uh, on Carrie, and he recommended her for this. And I, I get, you know, I don't know what his reasons were, you know, for the... the yeah, uh, but you could understand. The nuts and bolts acting right. reasons for it. But, oh, yeah, yeah, I totally get it. And oh, there's yeah. just something, there's something just so likable about her. It's very charming, I think is a good word. There, there's a charm. There's mm-hmm. a, there's a, I don't want to call her an airhead. That's not... <laughs> You know, it's that's not what she is. Right. But, but uh, and, I, I know what you're trying to get. Innocence <laughs> to her, and you you don't want anything bad to happen exactly. to her. And and spoiler alert, something really bad is going to happen to her. And that brings us to our our our, uh, our antagonist of the piece, uh, Burke, who is mm-hmm. based on, as we said, G. Gordon Liddy, uh, who was involved with the Whitewater uh, scandal, was one of the plumbers. And uh, he is played by John Lithgow. Now, John Lithgow uh, uh, is not an actor that I, I gravitate 
towards. Uh, he's a he's a fine actor. That's the thing. He's he is a really good actor. Mm-hmm. I've never gravitated towards him. Now, mm-hmm. I've enjoyed him in a few things, but I don't like him. I don't either. I don't like him. And uh, at least on screen, he might be a great guy. Right, but I, I just know? oh, I've never liked him on screen for some reason. Yeah, I don't like him here. And he's so good at what he's doing. What did you think? Uh, again, taking away everything, because I know we we fall on the same side of the fence with the John Lithgow <laughs> argument. What did you think of John Lithgow's performance as Burke here? Because he he's a he's presence actually, in this movie. Yeah, and that's the thing. He's actually so good in this in this role. And it's but it's like you still don't like him. <laughs> you know? Yeah, I still don't like him though. Even though I do enjoy what he's doing. I mean. For the most part, you know. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I think, uh, I, I think he he carries a lot of this movie, mm-hmm. and you know, there's an almost uh, Schwarzenegger Terminator vibe to him mm-hmm. in this movie. He's very cold and calculating and manipulative, and uh, you know, we talk about the conspiracy aspect of this movie. Here's the man in black. This is this is this is the government operative, you know, the right. part of the shadow government who's making this happen and tying up all the loose ends. And he and he's so good. That's the thing. And um, terrifying. At, at, we'll see. His his heart rate doesn't go up right. in the movie. You know, <laughs> and that makes me think of. I know you you haven't seen Dexter. But I've seen a, I've seen enough. I know he was on that show for, right. for a while. Yeah, he was the Trinity killer. Well, I mean, one of probably the worst killers that a whole entire series of the show. And it's one of my favorite shows to this day. And as much as I don't like him, it's hard not to kind of enjoy him, you know, in those roles. when he's Yeah, because like he plays it. So well, I mean, yeah. Do you, what, do you know anything about? I, I do. Yeah, I know enough. I know enough. And I've seen. Yeah, I mean, he's I've supposed to be this that, normal family man. But, some of that run, yeah. You know, one of the things I do I do admire about Lithgow is how he's able to go from like comedy, you it, know, I was like Third that. Rock from the Sun, you yeah, know, Third Rock sitcom kind of thing, and then do drama, yeah, so well. He's he was uh, nominated for a Robin Williams film called uh, The World According to Garp, I believe. Uh, for best uh, supporting actor that year, and then but then you see him here, and this is such a different side. But Brian De Palma also had him in a movie I failed to mention uh, called Raising Kane from 1992, where he played uh, split personalities and Quentin Tarantino again to bring you know not to bring mm-hmm. him up too often. We seem to be talking about Quentin quite a bit since we did <laughs> Death Proof, but uh, Quentin uh, Quentin considers Raising Kane to be one of De Palma's better films, and uh, John Lithgow I remember seeing that way back in the day. He is. Uh, absolutely mesmerizing and terrifying in that film. I actually have it on the list for somewhere down the line to do that movie. And uh, no, it's just uh, like I said, and saying, you know, I just don't gravitate towards him as, as an, as an actor right. sometimes, but uh, he's, he's absolutely wonderful here. He really is, you know, playing, playing just the uh, single minded. What I like about the character of Burke too, is he's the antagonist. And then he really is the antagonist. I was because literally just about to say, <laughs> Because the group that had that wanted the uh, the governor put in a compromising position, mm-hmm. he was never supposed to be killed. It was just supposed to be, you know, the dirty pictures, as right. we said. And he, you know, it's almost like the computer became self-aware. And, <laughs> you know, it's still within my mission parameters. He says at one point, and it's like, dude, <laughs> you know, I know. You evil piece of shit. Exactly. <laughs> you know? 
And then he starts uh, killing women in the area to make it look like there's a sex uh, a sex killer, yeah. you know, out there. We're we're gonna get to that in a second. Uh, we have one other performance to talk about. Dennis Franz plays Manny Carp. Dennis Franz uh, is an Emmy winner for NYPD Blue. He was also on the show Hill Street Blues. Uh, Dennis Franz is a fine, fine, fine actor, and I've always enjoyed his work. Uh, I, I remember watching him as a uh, Sipowitz on NYPD Blue back in the day in the 90s, in the heyday. And uh, he's a guy I've always really liked. He's retired now. He hadn't really been doing anything too much. Uh, I think he's great. What did you think of Manny Cart? Because he plays the photographer who was on the bridge who gets the pictures mm-hmm. of of the accident. And when you see this guy, he just screams sleaze. Like, <laughs> he just screams just absolute, just, just you know, dirty, yeah. filthy dude. You know, yeah. what did you think of his performance? Because he's... He's not in it much. He's right. a supporting character, but uh, yeah. But when I, when he's there, I yeah. think he plays. I mean, he's great. He oh, plays that role so well. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean, like the only other person who could have played that role is like Joe Pesci. I was, you know, I was literally just thinking who, that who, who could have done that. But uh, Dennis Franz, uh, John Lithgow, and Nancy Allen are all people who have appeared in uh, multiple Brian De Palma movies. Mm-hmm. These are people that they they you know. Right. Palma would cast and and because they're just really good actors yeah that's the thing dennis franz i love the way dennis franz talks too you know <laughs> yeah. and he he seems like something that that walked in out of uh like a 40s film yes. you know like <laughs> yeah a, i can see that like a like a 40s movie <laughs> um so so travolta's character he he puts together uh the sound that he was taking that night with the uh with the pictures that dennis franz's character was playing this is my favorite scene in the movie when he's doing this. What what did you think of that scene? That is literally my favorite scene too because I feel like not only are we like visually brought into that, I don't know, I just feel like I don't know how to put it in words to be honest with you. I I like the the movie making aspect of it. Mm-hmm. You know, seeing seeing that happen. Yeah. I then from the from the plot aspect, mm-hmm. I like seeing his reaction to I was right, you right. know, in the way he plays that. But I like seeing it all put together as a movie because this is a movie about movies. Right. It's about sound and picture, right. and, and, yeah, and that's what I was trying to get at things. with what I'm saying. It's like, yeah, you know, you can see how the movie. I don't know. It kind of just yeah. puts you there with it. You know? Yeah, it, it's 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 so much fun to see that kind of behind the scenes stuff for me, mm-hmm. which I think is which I think is really really great. Um, is there anything that you would like to add about this movie before we get to the ending of this movie because we've been building toward this toward the ending of this movie you know i did like i mean another there's more toward the end but i did like some of the twists and turns because at first you know i didn't look up this movie so seeing how involved he was i was just thinking here's the sound tech so involved in this case and then you realize he was a cop and it kind of makes it a little more palatable yeah so i was yeah. like okay that's pretty interesting logical yeah exactly yeah. um we talked about how this is a movie about movies uh let's touch on this the guilt because i, I wanted to bring this up with uh, nancy allen uh, as sally john travolta's character is carrying around a lot of guilt mm-hmm. uh from the freddie corso incident the thing i think that makes uh sally so endearing to me is she when she discovers what it was she was a part of and she didn't think she was going to be a part of of political assassination right she thought it was going to be dirty pictures mm-hmm. 
I think what endears her to me is the guilt that she feels mm-hmm. that she ruined somebody's life that she's she this is wrong you know yeah. you know uh, divorce is one thing in her mind but this is something yeah. completely different and Dennis Franz's character um, sleazeball that he is <laughs> you know and, and you see that you mm-hmm. know that argument both sides of that argument you know and um, and that he's pl- been playing her and right. he knows about it you know kind of thing. And uh, but the movie does really deal with guilt, you know, yeah. and 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 things associated with guilt. Yeah, and, and you it. said it earlier, like you can see it all over their face. They play it so well. Yeah, you know? I, I like that this movie is not so. You're getting you know dialogue, obviously, but mm-hmm. it's not like uh, taking every second to have to explain to you. It's not talking down to you as an audience member. It's letting you figure it out as right. as you're going along and be with the characters. And I think. I, I do. I think this movie is as damn near close to perfect as, as I've ever seen. It really is. It, it's 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 amazing. Uh, the other theme that I would like to go back and discuss very briefly is voyeurism. We've seen voyeurism mm-hmm. now uh, twice. Twice. This is the mm-hmm. second time we're seeing voyeurism. Yes. Uh, Rear Window deals with voyeurism. Rear Window uh, deals with it through the window. This deals with it through the ears. He, he's mm-hmm. a he's a, a auditory voyeur in a lot of ways, and I like that scene when he's he's getting sounds at the beginning, mm-hmm. and, and you're seeing him with that almost magic wand yes. of a microphone, and he's pointing it and his reaction to things, and he's listening to the couple on the bridge, and and he kind of just kind of giggles when they they realize that there's somebody listening mm-hmm. to him, and he's not thrown off by it at all. He's mm-hmm. enjoying listening to them, and he enjoys listening, and he listens quite a bit throughout the movie. Yep. Uh, what did you think about the uh, voyeuristic aspect of the movie, and uh, was that something that uh, that you were aware of when you were watching it, and did did it turn you off at all from from Jack Terry? Oh no, it did turn me off, and I mean. I was obviously I didn't look up the movie, so I didn't know where this was going. But I mean, I think it was necessary for this movie. You know, I think that I think that's a really interesting way to go with this. You know, I mean, I liked it myself. <laughs> that sounds weird, I guess, but yeah, it, it didn't it, it didn't feel um, salacious. No, like Jimmy Stewart feels a little in in Rear Window. Right. It feels a little bit. On the line right. of sadistic and salacious. Right. He he was out there just recording sounds. Exactly. And, and then it becomes, yeah, he better be listening because there, <laughs> there's danger. He, right. This has gotten him in something that he he doesn't, he didn't expect to be in and, mm-hmm. and doesn't want to be in. So. Exactly. All right. So heavy, heavy spoiler warning. If you have not seen this movie, uh, this, this, we're going to talk about the ending here. So if you haven't seen it and don't want to hear, go ahead and skip ahead. Um, just, just look for the break. <laughs> um, uh, if you've not seen this movie, I really do recommend watching this movie. Absolutely. Usually I, I have a giggle and I say, get out and come back after you watch the movie. But seriously, uh, watch this movie, but we are going to talk about the ending now because you can't talk about this movie without no. talking about the ending. So as we said, John Lithgow's character has been setting up, uh, he's going to kill Sally. He is. Uh, making it look like there's been a series of six killings. So then it would be nothing that there was a serial killer and she was part of this. And this, uh, this happens. He, he uh, tricks her. And, and as we said, this movie is set up and payoff, set up and payoff. Mm-hmm. We have the setup of the Freddie Corso incident with uh, him being mic'd up and the mobsters uh, find out and get him and kill him. And Travolta's got the guilt of that. Travolta mics up uh, Nancy Allen's character because they're going to be meet, supposedly meeting with an investigative journalist. He's got his doubts, so he wants to see what's going on. So she's mic'd up. 
uh, it ends up that she meets with Burke. He takes her through the city. There's the Liberty Day parade. And Travolta's character listens and is trying to get to her. And he hears her being killed. Mm-hmm. And he gets there too late. Uh, he kills John Lithgow's character. He holds her dead in beautiful scene. They got the fireworks for the Liberty Day going on. I just saw the look on your face, that that sad look mm-hmm. on your face. It's really... It's it's really haunting, and, it really and, and from here on out, I think you're going to hear the word haunting a lot. Um, and this happens. So the Freddy Corso incident loops back on itself. Uh, the sex killing because there's a when Lithgow kills the girl about 45 minutes into the movie, you're going, "What the hell's going on?" Because she kind of looks like Nancy Allen, you know, mm-hmm. a little bit. And um, that loops back around. The most chilling thing in this movie is the beginning that you think is a joke, the uh, coed frenzy film where mm-hmm. uh, the killer goes into the uh, shower and uh, you, have, you hear this awful scream. And it's and it's really funny when you see it. And a running thing throughout the movie is they're trying to find a girl to scream, to, to right. put, to loop into the movie. Mm-hmm. And it's, uh, some, were you laughing at some, because it was some oh, funny yeah. <laughs> moments with that, like, like the girls will stand in front of Travolta and just scream. He's like, nope. And he, he's off nope. on his way. And then there's the girls in the booth. He's like, nope. You know, and, go home or something. Yeah, go home. <laughs> And uh, and it, it's really funny. It's, mm-hmm. I mean, laugh out loud. I know. Funny. It loops back around, set up and pay off. Mm-hmm. And he uh, loops Sally's scream when she's being attacked and killed yep. into co-ed frenzy. And it's one of the most haunting images I've ever seen in a movie. And, and after she dies and you see the fireworks, um, you see him sitting in the snow. After some time has passed, he's, he's listening to her on this mm-hmm. microphone, and then they're sitting in the uh, in the sound booth, and the you see the scene play out again as you did in the beginning, and you hear her scream, and the guy who, who you've gotten another director or producer or whatever mm-hmm. uh, says, you know, great scream, you know, good scream, and Travolta is sitting there just looking like he's been, you know, on a three month bender, mm-hmm. yeah, and just kind of you know smoking a cigarette, and like good scream, good scream, you know, and then. You hear the scream again. They play it back, and he covers his ear. And that's the last image in the movie: him covering his ears, and it's so haunting. I don't know. It's I think haunting. haunting and heartbreaking are yeah good words for that. I mean, yeah, that's not how I expected it to end at all. Yeah, and I don't know. We were talking about not a lot of people saw this movie. Uh, I don't know if word got out, but you know, it's a downer of a movie. It's it's not a feel good movie. So no. I don't know if that was something that influenced people going to see this movie or not going right. to see this movie. But uh, I think it's very effective. I think it works. I, I, I think it's the look on his face at the end of that movie. I told you, uh, I said, man, just wait for this look. You're going to see this look on his face. And it's it's heartbreaking. I know. It's heartbreaking. So let me ask this question before we, before we take a break. Okay. Uh, Jack and Sally, mm-hmm. what do you think of their relationship? Uh, I, he was into her. Mm-hmm. I think he, I think he, he thought, yeah, she was yeah. good looking. Um, what was it then at the end that, that, you know, this grief, obviously this is awful. Mm-hmm. What happened to her, that, that, oh, how yeah. she died is awful. But uh, what was it? Was it, was it that guilt from Freddie Corso coming back? Was it, was it his feelings for her? Did I he, think he was, did, did he have feelings for her? I think yeah. it was a mix of both, honestly. Yeah. And he played it. I mean, that's the thing. It, it's all like on his face. And, and I think what, you know, makes it even worse is that he tried to get these these uh, recordings out. And even the police just 
you know, just yeah. didn't even. And I feel like, you know, that makes it even more of a letdown yeah. for him because I, yeah. he's fighting to prove that, you know. I, I think that's that's one of the things about this movie that I like is that it's uh, it's it's true in life. It's it's sad that it's true in life. But uh, sometimes doing the right thing is hard, mm-hmm. you know. It's hard. You know, what's that quote about, you know, sometimes telling the truth is a revelation, mm-hmm. you know, and, and he's trying to tell the, this thing. This guy's trying to do the right thing throughout this movie, mm-hmm. and it, there it's was actually, awful. There was actually a line that stood out. I think it was like, um, like, do you think people, what was it? Um, nobody wants to know about conspiracy or something like that. Like, do you, be, do you believe yeah. that? Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, nobody wants to know about conspiracy. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because it, it is it's very easy for people to hide their head in the sand. And I've I've you know, we've established uh on on this show before that uh, I am a quote unquote conspiracy theorist. I always say that if you can call me a conspiracy theorist, I can call you a coincidental theorist. There are things and and, and so many things where it's not like out of the box thinking like no, here are the documents. Here's evidence. Here's evidence that this happened. No, that didn't happen. I, it's happened to me before where they go on believing what they want to believe. And I think some people like to live their lives with, the head, with their head in the sand. Mm-hmm. We, we like that. The human race, uh, unfortunately, in my experience, looking at history and, and dealing with people, like to be ignorant. Mm-hmm. Of th- just go about their lives. Yeah. You know, kind yeah. of thing. There's nothing wrong with that. No, no, no. But, but you know, but there are bigger things. Yeah, but but it's an inconvenience sometimes yep. to know the truth. And this movie really shows that. Uh-huh. And and the fact that it draws on, as we said, the uh, Chappaquiddick thing, Watergate, mm-hmm. the JFK assassination, who knows what else, you know, was, was going on here yeah. uh, in De Palma's mind. But, uh, yeah, it's it can be an inconvenience. It's inconvenient truth. That is a very true statement, mm-hmm. you know. But um, he plays that so well at the end. It's 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 haunting and it frightening really and and heartbreaking and and yeah yeah. <laughs> I want to add to uh, we were talking about Travolta. He was he was going through some things at this time. He he was at a level of fame that it, we're talking Elvis levels of fame mm-hmm. at this time. He had lost uh, his his girlfriend Diana Highland a few years earlier. There was a lot of things going on in his life at this time that, uh, you know, kind of like good things happen, but bad things happen too. Right. So, um, and I think Travolta, I think Travolta is a is a decent guy. You know, I, I know a lot of people like to go, oh, he's a Scientologist, he's a weirdo, whatever. Maybe, yeah, you know, whatever. <laughs> but. Um, I think I think he is a decent man. Yeah, he, he seems he, he strikes me as a decent man, and uh, I, I think I think he feels things. I think he's I think he's sensitive, I, I, and I think mm-hmm. a lot of things had, had started crashing in on him. It's kind of like this is where I wanted to be, but boy, I don't really want to be here, kind of thing. Right. But uh, I'm bringing this up because he had insomnia during the filming of this, and he is on record as saying that the insomnia adds to the performance mm-hmm. the realism of the performance and uh man that last scene you can see because i think some of this was filmed in in sequence mm-hmm. you can see it on it that he he's not acting that's real tired you know? know um um is that one of, that's one of the most heartbreaking things i've seen is that one of the most heartbreaking things you've seen it really is because like i said i didn't i didn't expect that 
to to happen at all you know yeah i think out loud i was like oh wow (laughs) yeah uh and in fact the last image is him you know you know closing his ears know. you know covering his ears it's it says so much about what's come before it, it so the movie ends where it where it begins and it's uh this is great this really is i think this is a masterpiece this really is I, um, it's a good pick <laughs> um a critic said that this is as close to perfect a movie as he's ever seen i forget which critic it was i listened to an interview with a bunch of different people talking about it and uh is there a perfect movie? You know, we've asked that question before. I I made the case that Predator is damn near a perfect movie. There's a couple that are damn near. This is this is up there. This is this is really up there. It feels like a Hitchcock movie, but something different. You know, yeah. you can feel influence, but it's it's its own thing. And this is one of my favorite movies of all I time. I, I love this. I really am glad you picked it because I probably wouldn't have seen it on my own probably. So you got to find out about it. That's yeah. the thing. That's the thing. It's so criminal that this is this is. And again, it is widely regarded in critic circles. It is widely regarded in hardcore of film, you know, circles. Mm-hmm. Uh, there are people out there who have seen this and enjoy this movie, but uh, you know, it's still one of those things where people just don't know about it. And you know, if it's you're a out, shame <laughs> if you're out there and you haven't seen this please watch it and if, and and this is one of these it's it this is always good to go back to and this is a movie with extremely high rewatch mm-hmm. value because I was going to say I think I think this deserves a rewatch soon for me so much is set up and paid off mm-hmm. like when uh, the John Lithgow character says that he erased Jack's uh, tapes, there's a scene where he goes in to take the tire off of the car to make it look like a blowout and you can see the magnetic tape remover in the car so many wonderful things it's, it's shot so well it's uh-huh. edited so well the the palma trademarks the split screen and the 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 wonky angles it's all there this is this really this is a masterpiece i think at all those movies that we mentioned at least of the ones that i've seen i've seen i've seen a lot of those movies this this might be my favorite De Palma movie. Mm-hmm. And I think that's saying something. There's there's some really good ones. So, well, we are going to take a break. And when we get back, we're going to talk about one of my favorite aspects of this movie. And that is a score by Pino Donaggio. And I think it's, uh, I think this is a really good score. And oh, I, yeah. I'd, I'd like to talk about it. And we're going to, we're going to wrap up our discussion of 1981's Blowout. So I am Dan. And I am Faith. And we will see you on the other side. Rice, host of Laser Beams. Pew, pew. That's Laser with a Z and Beams with a Z with your update from Laser Lands. Tonight's high score in Laser Tag was Dill Hold 69. He had 845,000 points and 347 CK. That's confirmed kills. Kills with a Z. It was Pad Thai night at Laser Lanes. Yummy, yummy. But the party ended soon because everyone got food poisoning. I don't want to get into specifics, but several of the toilet bowls in both the men's and women's restrooms were cracked. Yuck, yuck. Stinky, stinky. 
Join me, Scott Rice, host of Laser Beams, pew pew, right here on WKMF Cozy Corner Public Radio. I'm Lorena Luftlucket, better known as the Hammer because I'm smashing the glass ceiling of the patriarchy. Join me on WKMF Cozy Corner Public Radio for the power of woman. The power of woman. Join me this week. My topic is rice. This white patriarchal food is problematic and needs to go. It's so white, it's racist. Help me raise awareness at Hashtag rice so white. Hashtag rice so white. Join me, Lorena Luftlucket, the hammer smashing the glass ceiling of the patriarchy on the power of woman only on WKMF Cozy Corner Public Radio. Welcome back to the Late Night Fright right here on WKMF Cozy Corner Public Radio. I am Dan. And I am Faith. Faith, and I said I it. need to have a blowout. Oh, dear. I'm just, I'm just <laughs> dear, you do that on your own time. <laughs> do that on your own time. Well, that uh, kind of puts a crimp on what I was going to say uh, at the beginning of the show when we started talking about blowout. I said, I'm feeling good. I'm feeling real good. Thank you, Faith. I don't feel so good anymore. I'm so sorry. I blame you. <laughs> Blame you. So we're gonna we're gonna wrap this up. Brian De Palma's nineteen eighty one film Blowout. We both really enjoyed this film, and I believe mm-hmm. we were both in agreement. Maybe one of the best films that we've done on this show. Yeah, uh, I would put this up there. This is Badlands good. Yeah, Badlands. We did an episode on the uh, nineteen seventy two, two or three Terrence Malick film yep. Badlands. Uh, Terrence Malick is another one of those names that's involved when you talk about the guys who came in and changed Hollywood in the late 60s, early 70s. Um, completely off the subject, if you've not seen the film Badlands, I highly recommend it. This is another one that uh, th- this movie is not forgotten in mm-hmm. in the circles, but uh, a lot of people out there aren't aware of it. And right. uh, we did an episode on it and. I think we said during that episode, this is the best film that we're going to do on this show. This blowout is that good. Mm-hmm. It's it's up there with that. Did you expect that going in? Because no. I know you had not seen it. No. I mean, I figured you picked it and it's obviously a good movie, but at this level of good. I mean. Yeah. Masterpiece. You know, the masterpiece really level good. of I was, good. I was blown away, really, yeah. by it. It's, uh, I'm, I'm really glad because I, I always like to turn people on. To, to movies that yeah. I like and, and then we've said before you get into that thing where you oversell something or or possibly you know uh, they don't they don't jive with it or see it the way you do but but right. this this uh, I'm really glad you enjoyed it and let's talk about something I know you enjoyed and one of my favorite aspects of this movie Brian De Palma mm-hmm. says this is his favorite aspect of the movie and his favorite score from any film that he has been a part of. And that is the score by Pino Donaggio, uh, Italian composer. 
He wrote a piece of music that is uh, very famous. You don't have to say you love me. He wrote the music for that. Uh, that was a big hit for Dusty Springfield back in the day. Elvis Presley also had a big hit with it. I'm a fan of that song. He has worked uh, on a lot of Brian De Palma movies. He's worked on a lot of movies. And uh, this score is very, very good. It's so good, in fact, that Quentin Tarantino used uh, part of the theme in Death Proof. Uh, as we said, we did an episode on Death Proof. I may or may not have mentioned it, that they that they used the, the Sally and Jack theme in, I in don't that. Remember. But, um, but anyway, uh, the score is very good. This reminds me of quintessential Hitchcock. It reminds me of old Hollywood. Mm-hmm. It's modern sounding in parts for its time. It's very lush and orchestrated in parts. The melody, that main melody has a real longing to mm-hmm. it, a real uh, a want. It, it seems to be reaching out and wanting right. wanting to, to grab something. You know, there's a, there's a real... It's beautiful. I mean, like... Heartbreakingly beautiful. It is. Like, it shouldn't be beautiful, but it is. Yeah. Is it Pino Grigio? Is that his name? Pino Grigio. That's right, Faith. He, he knew what he was doing. That's right. Pino, Pino Grigio knows what he's doing. Pino Grigio always knows that's what right. he's doing. Um, obviously, I just established that we both really like the score, but mm-hmm. um, what when you're watching the film, what were you... Uh, thinking about that score was that something were you noticing that as, as this the, was going on i remember the specific first time that i actually noticed it it was when um burke was uh killing the girl the first girl yeah in that kind of dirt pit thing that was the first moment that i really noticed mm-hmm. i was like oh wow this yeah. music's actually really beautiful and this scene is like you know so awful so awful but the yeah. music is gorgeous it's gorgeous yeah it uh, the first time I saw this movie and and heard that especially then in the the end title scene, mm-hmm. uh, which is a, a real one of the real statements you get of of, of that in the film. It uh, I was sixteen, I guess, when I saw this for the first time, mm-hmm. and it just broke my heart when I heard it. That yeah. that that little minor key. Um, I think it's in maybe in C minor or, or D minor. It's probably, probably in D minor, which is the saddest of the keys <laughs> uh, as established by spinal tap. No, really it is. It's, it's one of the saddest of the keys, but that, uh, uh, you know, and just, and he plays it on the pianos mm-hmm. and the flutes and, and he moves it through different, uh, sections of the orchestra and it, and it actually works, uh, as an action cue at, at points in the movie. Uh, you hear it when, uh, at the end of the movie, when they're in the uh, subway terminal, you can hear mm-hmm. it as an action cue, but it, it has a real tender quality to it, and mm-hmm. it's very, it's very fragile. It's very yeah. fragile, and I associate the music more with her than I do with him, you know, because I think she's a little more of a of a fragile mm-hmm. creature than Jack. But yeah. there's that guilt aspect that's coming into play, and I, I think it's just a really good score, and uh, the soundtrack album is available it's it's available you know digitally i mean you can listen to this and it's it's very very good it really is very very good i i would like to play a a piano rendition of uh what they call the sally and jack theme i think this is beautiful and if you've seen the movie death proof this is the version that's in death proof and uh if you're more familiar with death proof than you are with uh blowout it's in the scene when uh, Sidney Poitier's character is texting uh, the Chris Simonson character to come to the bar, the first group of girls, you mm-hmm. hear this. And uh, Quentin, of course, as we said, is a huge fan of Blowout, so there's no mistake that he <laughs> that he used this theme 
throughout it. So, all right, this is uh, Pino Donaggio's Sally and Jack from the Blowout soundtrack, and we will see you right on the other side of this. both sitting here listening to it and you had this look on your face that it just it was um like not blissful but uh <laughs> like it was really like getting to you mm-hmm. yeah that's it's a pretty song it's, it's it's gorgeous yeah and i think that's a real nice encapsulation of the movie mm-hmm. so uh pino donaggio sally pino grigio pino grigio that's right <laughs> pino noir <laughs> pino noir pino grigio so another great Italian composer. Yes. All the great, all the great composers are Italian, <laughs> just like all the great, uh, the great actors: Pacino, De Niro, Stallone, Travolta. The great composers like Billy Joel, <laughs> who, who we established. If, if this is your, <laughs> if this is your first time listening to the show, uh, this is an act, absolutely true story. So it, it's kind of funny that we're talking about John Travolta because I grew up in the '80s and Travolta. You know, being I'm Italian, Faith is Italian, so. So you'll understand this faith. Uh, there, there was like a group of guys that made being Italian like so cool. You know, you had Travolta and you mm-hmm. had De Niro and you had Scorsese and you had uh, uh, Francis Ford Coppola and Al Pacino. You know, all of these, all these great, um, these great actors and you know entertainers. And I thought Billy Joel was Italian. I really did. And we made a we made a joke about this on the show, you know. And I found out he was Jewish, and there's absolutely nothing wrong with that. That's, but it it, it broke my world. I thought because he was writing these songs that sound like they're about Italian people, you know, like Anthony's song, and you know, he's about Catholic, you know, you get songs about Catholics, and and I was like, man, he, Billy Joel's got to be Italian, you know. So it, uh, but. Uh, but uh, we uh, we did adopt him though as as a great Italian composer. But yeah. uh, Pino Donaggio, aka Pino Gri- Grigio, Grigio, <laughs> Pino Pino Noir, Pino Grigio. I don't drink wine, so I'm like Dracula. I don't drink wine. All right, so very quickly, uh, any favorites? Anything you'd like to mention about Blowout before we before we close out the show? 
I mean, we've already said it a million times, but John Travolta was absolutely my favorite. John Travolta. I mean. Yeah. I'd like to add the lighting of the movie, like when mm-hmm. they're in the hospital, the red lights and, yeah. and, and the way that the lights and the shadows play uh, when he's killing the girl in the pit. Mm-hmm. The way his shadow is, is, is on the wall. I think that was really well done. Um, I think the music's so well done in this. Yeah. And, you know, uh, I think everything about it. I like when he first interacted with Sally. I thought that was a nice. Uh, I wanted to mention. I meant to mention this when we talked about Nancy Allen. Her playing, um, uh, you know, doped up. Mm-hmm. I thought was really, really oh, no. good. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I like that little moment for some reason. Yeah. I, I like. I like the uh, the childish energy that she brings to this. Mm-hmm. To this, the sweetness and the and the a little bit of sexiness, but but not over the over, top. Yeah. You know, yeah. I like their relationship. That it's not a a. Uh, physical intimacy i like mm-hmm. that you're seeing them kind of get to know each other and yeah. then go through this and it yeah. doesn't feel like a movie movie relationship mm-hmm. it feels it feels a little more real world in mm-hmm. a lot of ways you know he's interested in her but they don't get to consummate or anything like that it's uh, right. there's a lot of sadness in it too i think yeah. i think there's a, a nice sadness running through this movie i i really do i think this is de palma's masterpiece i, I really do yeah and uh this is really an amazing movie and yeah. um, again i'm glad you picked it because it it just felt it felt right because I mean I would have missed out probably it, for it, ever. it felt right and as of this recording which is January two thousand twenty uh, this movie is available on Amazon Prime mm-hmm. to watch if you have a Prime account you can you can stream it this is a movie that I think is is well worth watching um, many times it it it's it's good it's really good it's really good and and no one noticed it when it <laughs> such a shame no one noticed it when it came out. Um, this is this is great. Uh, anything else you'd like to add? I think that's it. I think that's it too. I think that's it. This is uh, this has been my favorite one so far during Mystery Thriller. I month do want to add one thing. Yes, and it's probably a weird thing, but there was something about the way that I liked the whole thing with conspiracies and all of these, uh, you know, all of these things jam packed in this movie. I like that America and like the celebration of America is kind of running through the background yeah. of it yeah. because there's so many movies that are about America, but it's yeah. not really played out. And I like there was this parade and there's the fireworks. And, you know, yeah. I just... I Philadelphia, think it, yeah, really. I think it really tied well with all this all this stuff happening in it. I thought that was really cool. Yeah, that Philadelphia becomes a character in the Yeah, in it, it really well. does. That's a great point that we, we probably should have brought up earlier. Yeah, Philadelphia... And uh, and like you just said, the the celebration of America yeah. and, and American politics is is running through. That's what I'm saying. And in a lot of the time, you don't see all that stuff happening. Yeah. You know, it's just kind of going on. But I like that that was playing a part in it. Very good. Yeah, that's a that's a great point. And uh, I I completely 100 percent agree with you on that. Yeah, this is a masterpiece. It really is. <laughs> it really it's a masterpiece is. of storytelling. If you're a screenwriter or wanting to write, uh, check out what De Palma does just in the first five minutes of this movie, where you get so much information that is going to come back. In the end of this movie, yeah. I think I think this is a, a masterclass here. I really do. So, my favorite one so far uh, in Thriller Month, and mm-hmm. I've enjoyed every movie that we've done. But this is my favorite so far. It just feels like, you know, Hitchcock. And, and I don't know. We've done some good ones there. Cool yeah, <laughs> and we're gonna we're gonna keep the party going. Uh, Mystery Thriller Month is going to continue next month, uh, next week. I'm sorry. <laughs> With uh, guy, we we keep mentioning on the show. And we're gonna we're <laughs> take gonna, a shot to you know every every single time you've said yeah. Quentin Tarantino. We're gonna be uh, talking about Quentin Tarantino's debut film, 1992's Reservoir Dogs, starring Tim Roth, 
Harvey Keitel, Michael Madsen, and uh, some other really great people like Steve Buscemi. Uh, Faith, uh, you're gonna you're gonna enjoy this one a whole lot. This is really good. And uh, this uh, we've done the episodes on Rear Window and Play Misty for Me. Uh, Blowout, we just talked about. Reservoir Dogs coming up. And we're going to end off Mystery Thriller Month with one of our favorite movies. Faith is smiling <laughs> from ear to ear. We're going to be talking about Alfred Hitchcock's 1960 film, Psycho. So just like Blowout, we're going to end the way that we began. And uh, check out our episodes that we dropped this week. We have one on uh, Nicolas Cage's new video on-demand film, Primal, that is not as bad as you might think. And we have an episode on John Travolta's recent film, The Fanatic, directed by Fred Durst, that we did kind of in conjunction with Blowout. And a movie that has been maybe not you know, maligned and not for, you know, with not a lot of reason behind it, I think. Uh, mm-hmm. it, it, it's a film. Listen to the episode. We talk about it and uh, you, know, you can form your own opinions on it. But um Another movie that I don't think is as bad as people are making it out to no. be. And uh, we had a lot of fun talking about that movie. And, uh, and I, I think there's some some interesting points that we bring up during that discussion. But uh, Blowout is out there on Amazon Prime. Watch it. Live it. Love it. It's, it's amazing. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, as we said at the beginning of the episode, we know you are out there. We know where you are out there. If you get the time, please uh, just take out your phone. Uh, uh, record a little message, uh, send it to us. We are on uh, Instagram at Late Night Fright Podcast. Faith is at I'm a Normal Alien. Get on our website, latenightfright.com. They have a link to our email address. You can uh, send us a line. We would love to hear from you. Yes. Uh, tell us your name, where you're from. Send us a short little message. We're going to play that on the show if we get them. And uh, be thinking about your top 10 movies from the <laughs> 90s. We're going to be putting together our list. Our buddy Cade's going to be putting together a list. I think this is going to generate some uh, some good discussion. And uh, stay tuned to the show because when Mystery Thriller Month is up, we are going to be moving into February. We have a good slate of movies yes. uh, coming up in February. And to put the card a little before the horse, sometime this, this year we're going to be doing a month of John Carpenter. And we have some other theme month, uh, theme some months, sci-fi possibly yeah. in the works. Some theme months uh, planned. Uh, we we've really taken to doing a month of, of programming, kind of mm-hmm. similar program because you get to see patterns and mm-hmm. uh, and things of that nature, and it really kind of opens. Yeah, opens I, up I the, enjoy it. Opens up the discussion. So, uh, but uh, next month is going to be horror month, and we're going to be back to some real kind of just hardcore horror, and then. Uh, like I said, we got Carpenter coming up. We got Sci-Fi Month coming up. Uh, we got some other things uh, kind of in the work. So we're just trying to plan how we get that to you. And uh, as always, thank you for your support. Thank you for tuning in. You have a lot of options as to how you spend your time. We are so uh, uh, amazingly fortunate that you choose to spend a little of your time with us. Thank you for your continued support. And this show will, as always, be a free show. You will not have to pay for this content. Unless is, you want to send me like five dollars. Unless you want to send her five dollars to hate on you. That's <laughs> or just in general. Or just in general. Yes. She needs yeah. more coffee mugs. But uh this has been fun. I've I've really enjoyed this episode. Uh me too. there are certain times when we do this and it feels it feels real good when we're doing mm-hmm. it. And this one felt really good because we had such a good movie. And uh thank you all again. Thank you, Faith, for for, for your awesomeness. And uh Thank you. Be sure to join us next week for Reservoir Dogs and Faith. It feels like it's getting to be that time, doesn't it? It does. It does. Well, there it is, the music, the music indeed. We have, we have not heard the chimes at midnight, as Shakespeare would say. 
I'm just trying to sound smarter than I am. <laughs> yeah, you throw a Shakespeare quote in. You, you like sound smarter than you are. Sure. Sure. If you think so. <laughs> I really enjoyed this one. I, I really have. I, um, I did too. Thank you all again for uh, tuning in. Faith, I think it's time to go home. I think so Let's too. Let's do it. May your coffin be cozy and your sarcophagus warm. May the light of the moon keep you safe from harm. Be you vampire, spook, specter, or beast. Always remember, keep keep your your monster monster on a leash. We'll see you on the other side. This is a coyote for the late night fright with Dan and Faith. We hope you enjoyed our discussion on 1981's Blowout starring John Travolta and Nancy Allen. We hope you got good vibes from this show. And we hope when you're out there in the world trying to prove the conspiracy is real, you bring them good vibes with you. And if you can't find them out in the world, look deep in your heart. They're right there waiting for you. See you next time. Oh, my God.